Welcome to Fact of Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's agriculture industry. Each week I talk with farmers and industry professionals to hear their stories and expert opinions on various industry-related matters that are relevant to both our farming and our urban communities. Let's take a quick look at the lamb and beef markets. Lamb slaughter prices are starting to ease and by as much as 15 cents a kilogram in both islands this week. This price drop has been coming for some time with continued issues at our various international market borders and supply chains due to COVID-19. Export lamb is facing wait periods at both Auckland and Tauranga ports as well. This increases supply at a local level and results in competition for chilled storage space. The cost of this storage cuts into lamb margins, prompting an easing of what has been stable slaughter prices, which are still above 10-year averages. Lamb trading is picking up as large lines are sold across the North Island. The Manawatu and Hawke's Bay are absorbing a lot of stock from the Wairarapa, Taranaki and the King Country. As store volumes increase, buyers are now able to purchase more in line with North Island processing schedules. Last week, most North Island mixed sex lines sold for $3.30 to $3.40 a kilogram and prices are expected to ease by 10 cents a kilogram this week. South Island lambs are trading on a slightly softer market due to strong supply and I suspect concern around feed levels as we barrel towards Christmas and typically the drier months of the year. A similar situation for cattle in the North Island. The store market softened noticeably over the past week as cautious pre-summer buying held back the top end of cattle prices. The North Island has had a challenging trading season, selling for low prices early in the spring before gaining traction as grass and confidence grew. Now, 100kg Frisian wiener bulls are hard to trade out of the paddock at $425 to $470 in the North Island, while 100 and 120kg Frisians have traded for $300 to $350 in the South Island this past week. Whilst we are seeing typical season fluctuations in both processing and store pricing in both cattle and sheep, prices are well ahead of the 10-year average. The greatest risk to farm gate returns appear to be continued supply chain issues due to COVID-19. As we look a bit wider on the commodity front, based on ASB data, we can see that there is a solid lift in prices at the first global dairy trade auction for December. The overall price lifted a solid 4.3%, more than the futures market had pegged. There were broad-based price lifts among all key commodities. The rise in the WMP prices was particularly marked, lifting 5%. SMP prices were also up 3.6%. The quantity sold was about 12% lower. This is one of the more dramatic price moves seen at recent auctions. Prices were higher across the contract curve, but, interestingly, it was the further dated contracts that commanded the highest prices. China has remained the dominant player across recent auctions and while some buyers there have built up a decent stockpile, demand is continuing to rise. Dairy import volumes in China were up across the board in the latest data, with food insecurity front of mind. Although New Zealand faces growing competition from other exporters, it is expected that solid Chinese demand will help support prices at future auctions. That means that the season could finish above the $6.75 ASB is currently forecasting for the 2021 Farmgate milk price.
Still, there are a couple of factors that give pause for thought when it comes to milk price forecasts. Production is one factor. Soil moisture data from NEWA suggests that growing conditions as the summer begins might be decent, although we have to take caution as the summer months are our typically driest. Production is up 1.8% season to date on last time around, according to DCANZ, and it might keep the farm gate price from rising too high. The other factor is the strength of the Kiwi dollar. The New Zealand dollar against the US dollar has lifted strongly recently, which could hinder any upside and may impact further hedging Fonterra has to do. That being said, the risks to a $6.75 milk price forecast are now firmly skewed towards the upside. This week on Factor Magri, I take another look at water quality. Farmer Ben Ensor and chair of the Hurunui District Landcare Group joins me on the show to talk about water quality in the North Canterbury region and the reasons behind the group's inception. Let's check in with Ben now. Hello Ben, thank you for your time today. No problem. Ben, whereabouts is your property and what do you farm? Uh, so we're farming um, uh, just out of Cheviot, um, 1,500 hectares of hill country and 100 hectares of irrigation, um, and so sheep and beef breeding and finishing. How was winter for you on the farm, and what is spring throwing up so far? Um, we had an incredibly mild winter um, after a very difficult dry autumn, and uh, so that sort of helped us along a lot and yeah the spring's been pretty kind um wee bit dry early on but very good rain in the last few weeks so we're well set up at the moment i understand you are involved in the hurunui water catchment group what is your involvement there yes yeah, so i'm been involved with the hurunui district Lanky group for a while um i'm the chair of the Lanky group um and have been since its inception these groups are all around the country. How and why were they started, Ben? Um, there's a couple of motivations usually. Um, one is just to help farmers uh, with their environmental work, help them do the right thing. Um, and so that's a big driver. A number of them also start up for in response to sort of regulatory um, processes uh, and some of the rules that have been made to advocate on behalf of farmers. Mm. Uh, and the two really do go hand in hand and you sort of need to be able to articulate what you're doing and, and why farmers are doing good things on the ground and to, to help form um, what the regulator might, the rules that might be coming into force. So they're a bit of both really. Mm. Water quality is a big topic. How many farmers are part of the Hurunui Water Catchment Group and how much land approximately does this cover? Uh, so look I don't have the figure of the coverage in the Hurunui district to hand but it is it's quite significant there's some mm. fairly big areas of land big properties involved um, mm. there's about 140 farmer members um, yep. and that is sort of slowly growing all the time Nitrogen runoff is obviously a big issue in terms of water quality, but are there other elements that are having an impact on water quality as well? And are there natural elements that have an impact? Yeah, so absolutely. So nitrogen is the one that seems to grab the headlines. Mm. Um, and it's so if you're a irrigated farmer, then it is probably 
the, the most important, though not always. It's like a lot of these things that are reasonably, can be quite complex. Um, so sediment runoff and phosphate runoff, which are sort of are linked, um, are a bigger issue for your hill country properties um, than uh, nitrogen loss. Um, and then you've also got um, a coli, which is probably the, the other one that, that can be quite significant. And um, that can be, well, from any farming system really, and, and more associated with um, stock access to waterways. How's science helping farmers play their part in improving water quality? Uh, well, I think the more you know, the better you better a, you are better able mm. to uh, to address things. So I think our understanding of um, how our farming systems affect the environment um, and how um, how we can then mitigate those things that is growing all the time. So I mean, yeah, it, it continues to help. Mm. Is technology assisting in any way? Uh, yes, it is, absolutely. I mean, particularly, well, in the irrigated side, uh, as we've got better um, irrigation systems, better technology in terms of measuring soil moisture, mm. um, better forecasting, that all helps hugely in terms of um, mitigating uh, nutrient losses. Mm. So, yeah, it is. And in, in other areas on your hill country, then, you know, it's really doing things that we've always done in terms of tree planting and appropriate management um, and sort of things to, to help with sediment runoff. So in some instances, yes, in some instances, it's probably not a lot to offer. Mm. Are farms in general better in their practices today than they were 20 years ago? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's interesting how you want to measure that. Um, um, the farmers are much more aware of the environment than they were 20 years ago without mm. it hugely aware and I think all of society is mm. uh, are they better well I mean they were very good at doing what they focused on 20 years ago so yeah, um, yeah they're much more aware and therefore taking more actions now than, than they would have 20 years ago but then 20 years ago it wasn't as much on the radar yeah so essentially what you're saying is that farms are using the tools and the knowledge that is available to them at the time. That's right, yeah, mm, yeah. Mm. And responding to the, I guess, the social pressure, the, um, the expectation that there is out there now. Yeah. Is the work of the group paying off, Ben? Are you seeing improvements in water quality? Um, so, yes, I mean, I believe it is paying off in terms of building awareness, helping farmers... Um, take some actions and do their farm plans and become aware of of, of the the risks and opportunities on their properties. Um, can we measure it in the water quality? Uh, probably not at this stage. Um, to get changes in water quality, particularly in big catchments like we deal with in the Hiranui, the, mm. the Hiranui and the Waiaufa, um it, it takes time and our members are, are a proportion of the catchment so you can't make some changes on farm and measure it in a big catchment in in a short period of time but I'm confident over time and collectively with the actions of all the other farmers in their catchments that we are going to see um, improvements. Mm. What do you make of changes to the water policy statement and in particular recent comments by the Prime Minister at the Primary Industry Summit in support of farmers and indeed, she mentioned potential of reworking the policy if required. 
Well, there are certain aspects of it that need reworking. There's absolutely no doubt about that. There's certain things in it that are completely unworkable um, and and are not fit for purpose. But so, uh, oh, look, I I hope that happens. Um, the I mean, it's like a lot of these things. You you can't argue about the intent of mm. what the government's trying to do. We all want. Um, clean waterways, waterways we can swim in and farmers as much as, as anyone else. Mm. Um, however, we need to, I guess the the latest NPS is very much a one-size-fits-all rules approach and all farms are different and, and their systems are different. So we need to take that on board and work more at a more individual level if we're going to get some good outcomes. So I hope that um, common sense will prevail um, watch the space I guess Do you think a deeper relationship with farmers and the beehive will eventuate or do you think this is a bit of lip service going on there politicking um, oh, There's always a bit of politicking going on mm. but um, I would hope that uh, some of the officials in Wellington start to listen more to farmers because if they don't you're going to continue to get these situations where they've brought out some certain aspects in their policy are just not, not workable at all and that's that's not a good way to be. So um, it'd be nice to think that that we can um, build a better relationship or get a yeah get some better communication going. Yeah. Um, but again, it's not through lack of trying on some of the industry bodies' parts. So uh, let's hope that the government can um, start listening as well. Mm, indeed. How's confidence among your farming peers as we speak, Ben? When you get around the traps and talk to oh, your look, friends. Yeah, fair to say, look, I mean, there's a huge change and, and some real changes in expectation, particularly around environmental things, and that's causing some some real concern um, in our farming community, and particularly within when you get um, likes of the NPS for freshwater, making some, putting some things in place around fencing and that are just not able to be achieved on, on hill country or or a cost prohibitive on hill country. So um, that it's that really does play on people and I think it, it has an effect. So um, I just, yeah, hope going forward that these things can be worked through so that people can see a pathway forward because at the moment that's a bit difficult. Um, so yeah, there's certainly a bit of angst and a bit of uncertainty out there at the mm. moment. Mm. And of course, COVID is still hanging over us. Where do you see the market going in the new year in terms of farm gate returns? Uh, look, that's if we knew that we'd be wouldn't be farming probably. Um, yeah, it's um hugely difficult with COVID. Uh, prices have stood up very well considering mm. what's going on around the world. I, I don't think anyone would argue with that. Mm. Uh, th- I mean, there's no nothing. In the, in the short term that would suggest that that's going to change but it's an incredibly uncertain world at the moment um, so yeah look we'll just um, we'll keep doing what we do well and produce some food and um, and, and hopefully that yeah, the markets will hold up too Yeah indeed and what's your view on the rural urban divide Ben? It's something I talk about a lot on on the show and I think a lot of it has to do with the connection between urban communities, or well, certainly urban communities not having a relationship or a connection to farming communities like they once did. What's your view on that, and how do we address that? Um, so, 
I'm not. I'm probably not a great subscriber to the urban rural divide theory. Um, I think. Um, I think there's a lack of understanding in yep. terms of, um, particularly at a it's sort of the government level, in in about, and again, particularly your hill country farming. Um, it's a, it's a pretty complicated system, and every farm is different, and and it's very very difficult to make black and white rules for so I th- I th- that element is definitely uh, there's definitely a case there I think in terms of the general public uh, and, and any research I've seen sort of points to the fact that the general urban public don't view farmers poorly or they you know there's they, they, they sort of yeah there's not a big issue there um mm-hmm. but there's definitely a, a has grown in a disconnect if you like or there's not that connection between the urban people and, and directly farmers on the land so that's something we need to be aware of and, we, and and i think we are seeing more initiatives to communicate um with urban people um now and i think can only be a good thing um to yeah, to look at you know, this is where food comes from and this is there's some incredible work that's gone on in farming to look after the environment um, and not just water quality, biodiversity and, and which is also very important so um, yeah look I'm quietly optimistic I think we just need to keep keep that communication up and telling our story and um, be authentic be upfront, be honest if we have got issues own them don't try and hide them. Um, don't don't be perfect, but be genuine. I think would be how I put it. And um, yeah, I don't see it as a huge issue if we keep doing those things. Mm. Thank you very much for your time today. No problem at all. Any time. Thank you to my guest today, Ben Ensor. The Hurunui District Landcare Group now has around 140 members, predominantly dryland sheep and beef farmers in the Hurunui District. Originally with the aim of facilitating and promoting on-farm good practice of sustainable land principles. Various workshops around North Canterbury have generated strong support for the Hurunui Waiar Landcare Group and various resources for farmers. Farm environmental plans were developed for member farms and over 80% of the group now have a farm environment plan. Environment regulations and specifically fresh water are continuing to concern farmers right now. This does not mean farmers do not want better environmental outcomes. It means pushing for better rules, including fixes to the unworkable aspects of the new fresh water rules and for restrictions on carbon farming offsets to address wholesale land use change. Three main concerns for farmers are Firstly, the arbitrary re-sowing dates for winter grazing on forage crops, which many farmers aren't able to meet because of seasonal climatic and soil conditions. This is being reviewed as part of the minister-mandated process led by Environment Southland to review the winter grazing rules and identify potential solutions to issues, which could also be applied across New Zealand. Various approaches are being tested in regard to winter grazing, with a variety of farmers nationwide feeding this input into industry-led groups and organisations. The second concern is unworkable pugging standards and the lack of clarity about how they'll be implemented and enforced. This is also being reviewed through the Environment Southland-led process to achieve workable solutions. The third concern is inaccuracies in the low-slope map 
for stock exclusion. Government and officials have publicly acknowledged these need to be addressed. So it will be interesting to see how this progresses. With the New Zealand government declaring a climate change emergency, the government needs to put in place tangible measures that will lead to real reductions in carbon dioxide emissions from fossil fuel use and limit the amount of pollution that can be offset through carbon farming. I've talked about this many times. Changes made to the emissions trading legislation earlier this year provide fossil fuel emitters the ability to offset their emissions through large-scale planting of exotic trees. This does not incentivise behaviour change or reduce emissions or decarbonise the economy. Absolute greenhouse emissions from New Zealand sheep and beef production have reduced by 30% since 1990, whilst maintaining similar levels of production. Farmers are committed to doing their bit in reducing emissions and improving their footprint. Independent research by Auckland University of Technology recently found New Zealand sheep and beef farms are offsetting a significant amount of their emissions through native and exotic vegetation on farms. In addition to sequestering carbon, this vegetation provides wider benefits for New Zealand's biodiversity and freshwater ecosystems. Farming industry is also working with the Ministry for the Environment through the Primary Sector Climate Action Partnership, which is a partnership to reduce primary sector emissions. It involves working to equip farmers to measure, manage and reduce on-farm agriculture greenhouse gas emissions and adapt to climate change. This is to enable sustainable food and fibre production for future generations. The agricultural sector has already invested over $60 million over the last decade in developing technologies to reduce agricultural emissions through the Pastoral Greenhouse Gas Consortium. Further pathways have already been identified to reduce emissions from sheep through selective breeding for example. And industry is also working on other tools like feed additives. Farmers should also be able to offset their emissions through the integration of native and exotic trees on their farms. Policymakers, I implore you to keep listening to farmers. Keep listening to evidence that supports improved outcomes since the 1990s and acknowledge the good work being done on farm and the desire and the action of farmers to continue improving the environment in which they live and work. Now, an initiative that I believe is fantastic is Open for Farms and one that benefits both our rural and urban communities. It is a nationwide initiative to reconnect urban Kiwis with our food, land and farmers. I talk about this all the time. A growing number of New Zealanders have never stepped foot on a farm before. Urban and rural New Zealanders value the same things, but this physical and new disconnect is leading to misunderstandings and misconceptions about how food is produced. Once upon a time, nearly all Kiwis had some kind of connection with a farm either through a family member or friend connection. Whether you are a farmer who is keen to host or you live in an urban environment, I encourage all to get involved in this initiative. Go to openfarms.co.nz for more details. That's it from me this week. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factum Agri.